We recap the Hornets, what they did over the weekend, and we try to identify them. Who are the Hornets really? That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on if you're watching us on youtube not only can you see me and my twitter handle at walker mail you can also hear me on wfnz from 12 to 3 with wes and walker you also see doug branson who is back in the saddle you can also check his sub stack out every hornets box score at every hornets box he has joined me once again to talk about this atlanta hawks game that saw the hornets one doug how about two in a row only the second time this season that the Hornets have had wins in succession. Weird. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes to show just how tough things have been for this Hornets squad, but they got it done. They win 122 to 118, and Terry Rozier hit some huge free throws after a foul by Jalen Johnson with just over a second left, and the Hornets are able to come out with the victory. What do you think about the big win, and are you happy that they got the big win this season? Well, yeah, I'm I'm happy because it's Atlanta. I feel like it's the closest thing the Hornets have to a rivalry because at least it's there's some geographic rivalry action. Maybe Miami Heat, you could argue that as well. But anytime you can get one over on Atlanta, and that team seems to be in shambles. Like after the game, Trey Young and Nate McMillan getting into it on the sidelines again. So it's just funny for the Hornets to like play spoiler, but also just get the star player mad at the coach. Uh, for the way that game ended, they forced a five-second call. Like, yeah, Terry Rozier hit the free throws, but they also uh, played good defense. I think really in the second half, like the first half, Walker, DeJounte Murray and uh, Trey Young were absolutely annihilating them. Throw DeAndre Hunter in there, too. Annihilating them in the mid-range. The, the, the strategy was pretty clear for the Hornets defensively. They were going to take Mason Plumley in that pick and roll and slide him all the way back to the rim and say, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, you're not getting all the way to the rim. You can take as many mid-range shots as you want. In the first half, they were knocking them down. In the second half, I didn't really see much of an adjustment. It, it looked like Steve Clifford was just going to stick with it. And luckily, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray started missing shots. And then, yeah, the free throws on the foul walker. I looked at the last two-minute report. Apparently, it wasn't a foul, according to the last two-minute report, but who cares? <laughs> Terry Rozier doing whatever it takes. He's been big. 34 points in this game. Terry Rozier stepping up for the second straight game, because in that second half against Houston, when when LaMelo went down, he was big in that second half again. He has been Herculean in his efforts to lift the Hornets up, and and you know maybe that's gonna, going to be attractive to a team mm-hmm. looking to trade. Yeah, well, that that is baked into the cake uh, of everything that the Hornets are this season. And I do, I want to discuss that. Um, and, and real quickly, with the two-minute drill, our counterpart, Brad Rowland, host of Locked on Hawks, who does a fantastic job, has been doing that for quite a while. He said that the two-minute report is going to show that Terry Rozier was not fouled, and it won't make anybody feel better. So just a little bit more of the two-minute uh, report discourse there. It's not going to make anyone feel better, but that was that's what happened. And you know what? The Hornets will take that victory because they have, they have been – the uh, the, it has been to the detriment some of the bad calls at the end of games that have taken victories away from the Hornets this season. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Hornets have been, you know, the Hornets don't get the benefit of national TV games. And if you do any kind of study of what, how the referee disparity is laid out, like the national TV games get the the best referees. <laughs> and if you're a team that really is playing for no consequence, you, you mm-hmm. tend to get referees that are a little on the inexperienced side. <laughs> Clifford, Clifford had to be held back at one point by his assistant coaching staff because he was getting into it, not with the lead official, but the mm-hmm. second official, uh, he was getting into it, got a technical on that at the end of the first half, like after it was already zero zero because Trey Young got fouled by PJ Washington was a foul to be fair, was a foul. Oh yeah. But then you add one more point there at the first half by, by Clifford. So he's obviously upset with the referees in that game as well. So yeah, I'm not taking away anything. Mason Plumley was great in this one too, Walker. I mean, he was, I had to watch the Atlanta broadcast because of my oh, location yeah. here in Nashville and he Mason Plumley earned the respect on this game alone earned the respect of Dominique Wilkins on the call. Dominique was giving it up to Mason Plumley, one uh, one Hall of Fame big to another. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Yes, the, the respect level from Dominique, probably the biggest accolade that Mason is going to earn this season, but deserved 25 points, believe a season high for him in this game. And so, all right, let, let's talk about who, who the Hornets are for the rest of this okay. segment, because okay. I don't know. I mean, they are playing the Jazz tonight. So if someone that you know, might be an authority figure here at locked on mm-hmm. locked on, maybe, um, maybe a play-by-play announcer with a, with a similar name could be listening to, to try mm-hmm. to figure out exactly mm-hmm. how they should prep for this game tonight between the Hornets and the jazz. I'm just throwing it out there. It could be a possibility. You mentioned Terry Rozier. That's where I want to start. If you're to look into the pregame notes, you might start with Terry Rozier, who's been playing a lot better here recently, Doug, in the last month. So you have 10 games played in the month of January. He's shooting 48% from the field. He's shooting 38 from three on nine attempts per game. So good volume still. You see him averaging 25 and a half points per contest. The free throws, he was five of five in this last one against the Atlanta Hawks that we just talked about led to a victory. You're right. Terry Rozier, certainly on the trade block, especially with reports that the Hornets are looking to be sellers. There are plenty of other things to look at, but Terry Rozier, the the way that they were able to get two wins in a row and this past one against the Hawks, Terry has put them in some uh, decent spots this last month. It's very true. And I think part of that has been LaMelo Ball's return and its effects on how Terry can play offensively and, and defensively, and not only LaMelo's return, but Dennis Smith Jr.'s return because it gives them some options to play Terry with the bench where he doesn't have to guard the best player on the floor. You can slide Dennis Smith Jr. defensively over to that player and take some of the pressure off of Terry to do that. So without LaMelo, will he continue to shoot the basketball well? Because we saw earlier in the season Terry's shooting numbers drop, and a lot of that we've ascribed you know, contextually to him having to take on more responsibility. So so if LaMelo does not play in this game, I think this is going to be a tough game for Utah to prepare for, honestly, because you don't know whether LaMelo is going to play. And I think this team, it's tough to say who they are, Walker, because they're fundamentally different teams when LaMelo's on the floor and when he's not. And the first mm-hmm. half in that Atlanta game, I think, illustrates that offensively. Their ball movement was awful. They just they need LaMelo's playmaking abilities to open up things for them. And, you know, Terry Rozier is a player that you really can't take your eye off of. He was three of nine in that first half for six points against Atlanta. 
and he can just flip a switch and just like that go into takeover mode. And sometimes it's great, like against Atlanta, but I know people listening to this show right now, they can remember that Detroit overtime where LaMelo fouls out and and Terry goes into hero yep. mode, and it doesn't always work out. Uh, so, you know, and I think maybe that's more indicative of who Atlanta is defensively. So we'll, we'll see if Utah can handle that. But yeah, it's, it's tough to say fundamentally who they are because they're so different with and without LaMelo on the floor. Uh, 100%. And I do want to talk about the overall philosophy for them in just a moment. Maybe we can talk about it at the beginning of the next segment, especially with yep. LaMelo's injury. Do want to provide some updates there. But I, I do want to look at a few players last 10 games. So if you go to the game logs here and just look at the last month of production from some of these guys, Doug, mm -hmm. it's pretty night and day from what they had been doing previously and yep. LaMelo ball being back has been a big part of that, but we just went over Terry's numbers. They've been very good. You go to PJ Washington's numbers. He's been insane. So he's averaging 16.6 points per game on 53% shooting 46% from three on over six attempts per contest. There four rebounds, Almost three assists, five helping a lot in what he got here against Atlanta. But three's about right when you look at some of these other games. So that's kind of interesting for him. The rebounds are always going to be a problem defensively. That's just what P.J. struggled with. So P.J.'s numbers, though, very, very good in the last month. And then yep. Mason Plumley, to oh, his shooting, 76.5%. Yes, 76.5% on 8.5 attempts per game. He's scoring 16.7 points per game. And he's doing that to go along with 12.2 rebounds, 67% from the free throw line too, if you wanted to add that in there. So those three guys, the last month, have really helped in, yes, what is still not a great record, but two wins in a row, only the second time that's happened. Yeah, you'll take it. P.J. Terry Mason, th those have been the guys offensively, at least, Doug, that have really stepped up their efficiency and overall uh, production. Yeah, there was a play in the fourth quarter against Atlanta where he stole the basketball then uh, dribbled it out in the open court, made a pass that I don't expect any center in the league to make, uh, and then got an offensive rebound put back in transition. So, you know, yeah, he's playing at a high level right now. PJ's playing at a high level, and you've got rumors now that the Hornets are interested in re-signing yeah. him. I don't know how much of that is smoke, and maybe, you know, some things are obviously happening around this organization in the trade market right now because these quotes don't typically, or these like rumors don't typically come out around the Charlotte Hornets. So there's some stuff happening there, but PJ Washington, obviously valuable. He had a grown man three, like pull up, very quick decision. That was the go ahead three point shot in that fourth yeah. quarter. So everybody's making big plays, and that all comes down to this. This is what you have to know about the Charlotte Hornets. Steve Clifford has this team somehow, look at the record, somehow he has this team still believing they can win. That's why I've said all season the organization needs to take the keys away from Steve Clifford. He's too good <laughs> at rallying the – I don't know how they do it. And, and, and you have to give it up to the players too. They're obviously the ones rallying. They're obviously the ones keeping the faith, keeping the belief. It's a lot of, a lot of players that have a lot of pride on this team, and they're all sticking together. Contrast that with Atlanta. They're falling apart. The Hornets, despite oh, yeah. the record, are staying together. I think a lot of credit goes to Steve Clifford for that. And if you're Utah – you can't take your eye off the Hornets. They want to win basketball games still. All right. We can't talk about the identity of this team without bringing up injuries. So coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. 
We actually had one player outside of LaMelo Ball still miss this game. One player returned, and then, of course, we'll get to some of the details surrounding LaMelo Ball's injuries, plural, not just the ankle. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks works this way. You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize pick projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections that are available, and they offer projections on any sport you watch. That includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, college football, men's and women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, NASCAR, Euro basketball, cricket, disc golf. There's so many sports. Just go to Prize Picks and check it out. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in 30 states and even Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix gives you $100. If you deposit $50, they give you $50. You get the idea now. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on. Um, you do it at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Again, that's promo code locked on. More locked on Hornets coming up next. This is Locked On Hornets. Mitch Kupchak, will he do the thing that he has not done in season? This anything. Time? The thing that he has not done it is anything. It always comes back to do something. <laughs> Just do, do one thing. You need to get a stick from outside and become the meme in person. Because <laughs> that it always comes back to do something. Do something. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, before we get started, just let me uh, sip out of my uh, locked on coffee mug just wow. because people might be listening. I, hold on. It's all so might tasty. be watching. Yeah, yeah. David Locke might be watching. Mm. For sure. It tastes better in my locked on official podcast mug. I don't It just tastes better. You're disgusting. You are disgusting watching. me. You are you are disgusting me with your company man shilling right now. I'm just I'm just telling you the truth and, and my my factual things right here about how good that coffee tastes. All right. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets, the identity of this team. It changes so much with LaMelo being on the court with LaMelo being off of the court. And he has suffered not only. An ankle injury, Doug, but he has a wrist injury too. And I think that came to everybody's attention when there was the the Twitter clip circulating on social media where the trainer is on the bench messing with LaMelo's wrist and LaMelo freaks out. It's like a jolt of electricity when he's messing with the wrist. And then you see that that actually has kept him out along with the ankle. He's doubtful now against the Jazz. So mm. we don't know if he's going to play tonight. But the last time we checked the designation, he is doubtful. So we'll see what happens with LaMelo. What do you make of this injury with LaMelo? Not only the ankle, but also now the wrist. Another thing that he suffered, right? These are injuries that have been recurring. These are not new injuries. The wrist is what hurt him his rookie season. The ankle, he's injured in you know various ways, both ankles, this uh, three times this year. What do you make of LaMelo with a couple of these, uh, with these uh, injuries that he suffered? Yeah, he broke his wrist. Yeah. in his rookie season, and, and it cost him a, a large portion of that season. And it obviously is concerning. It it confirms some concern that I've had and I've discussed with you and David Walker 
seeing LaMelo mess with that wrist, you know, he, he does it all game. He kind of does this number right here. If you're watching, kind of grabs the wrist and just kind of works it out. He does it on the bench. He does it while he's on the floor. And and some people have said to me, well, you know, don't worry about it. I'm sure it's just, you know, just maybe something that he got used to doing. It's not a big deal. Obviously, now I kind of think it's a big deal because his wrist, the same wrist that he broke, is hurting him now. And and will he have longer term effects from some of these multiple ankle ankle injuries? You know, I, I think it is a big concern, and I think they have to be really careful about bringing him back. And th- that timeline, he needs to be one hundred percent healthy because I, I've seen some comments on the YouTube channel for 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 these videos where we talk about Lamelo's injury, saying if he's healthy, he should play because he's a young player. And while that makes sense to write down on paper, you know. Healthy can mean a lot of different things. Healthy is a spectrum, especially in professional sports. Like you can you can be healthy enough to play, but still, you know, be be more uh, likely to have a longer term injury. So I think they have to be really careful here. It's obviously concerning because he is so important to the team to have these injuries piling up so early in his career. Well, yeah, and the soreness scares me. Like that that's the type of thing that scares me. The ankle injury freak accident with his exchange with PJ Washington out there on the floor, you know, him stepping on the the foot of the court or of the fan sitting court side, you know, that's all freak stuff. And yes, while that might happen throughout the course of a basketball game, the soreness with the wrist that he broke. And that was the one that he hurt his rookie season. And now that is something that is a real problem. That's the thing that scares me more even than the ankles do right now, because if you go back, you can check out when he came back the last 10 games of that rookie season, his numbers were pretty hurt by his ineffectiveness, his inefficiency, I should say, not ineffectiveness, but his inefficiency with him coming back and just not shooting the ball nearly as well. It hurt his numbers. And while he's still able to win rookie of the year, it hurt his numbers. And when you're talking about him now still dealing with it, he said it hadn't been hurting, but now he's just, it, it kind of happened against Houston yeah, that that's the thing, Doug. Like, I don't know what you do about this if this has been a constant problem. So hopefully it doesn't happen again. But I, I don't know how confident we can be in that with this thing kind of rearing its head, um, you know, against Houston. And then who knows how many times after that? I, I would not be surprised if this offseason we get news of some kind of procedure, whether it be on Absolutely. the wrist or on the ankle. We get some kind of news that he undergoes and, and I think Steph went through this as well. Steph Curry on his ankles, I think, sustained multiple injuries and then did something in the offseason uh, that obviously moved him in, in the right direction. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if I saw that as well. Another guy that's been certainly in our injury news universe is Gordon Hayward, and he returned for this game against Atlanta. What did you think about Gordon Hayward coming back in the lineup? Not only coming back in the lineup, Walker, but in the starting lineup alongside Jalen McDaniels. I don't know which one you want to call the shooting guard. I guess Gordon would have played the two there with Terry Rozier. Yeah. But but he he opted to go with, with Gordon in the starting lineup and Jalen. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I love that Jalen McDaniels is still in there. And there wasn't anybody else really to put in unless you really wanted to go with a Dennis Smith Jr. But... I like the starting lineup. I have no problem with with what you were doing with Gordon. And so in his first game back since the Lakers on January 2nd, so not quite a month, but a good bit, about three weeks or so, nine points for him, but also five rebounds, five assists, two blocks, one steal. 
contributing yeah. in a lot of different areas in the box score. And we've always talked about him being a connector. It's funny, once Rick Bennell wrote that in an article in the Charlotte Observer, I feel like, including myself, by the way, I've referred to him as the connector a million freaking times, but that's what he is. He just allows you to run your offense to its most effectiveness, if you will, and then allowing Gordon to just move the ball, swing it, just play within the confines, do a few different things, you know, within your offense, get a half court shot if you need him to get to a spot when you're desperately in need of a bucket. And Gordon helps with that five assist thing right there. Nine points, it's actually only the fourth most in the starting lineup. It's right on par with McGowan's, Dennis Smith Jr., Mark Williams, Jalen McDaniels. They all finish with about eight and seven. But yeah, Gordon Gordon helps you. There's no doubt about it. And I know you've always been a fan of his defense when he's been in the lineup. Well, yeah, and I thought his defense actually wasn't terribly great in this one. I thought <laughs> DeAndre Hunter was one of the players getting it up over Gordon Hayward multiple times in this game. And I think that's going to be a process for Gordon to kind of get back into the groove a little bit. He plays 25 minutes. I think that's actually probably more than Clifford wanted to play him. But Jalen McDaniels got three fouls early, early in this game. And so they had to really rethink how they were going to shuffle the lineup in and out. But Gordon does play 25 minutes. I think the defense, you know, as he gets back into game shape, (laughs) he's constantly having to get back into game shape, folks. But once he does, I think, you know, he will be able to contribute in, in multiple different ways. But I, I have to go back to this idea that do we want him doing that? Do we want this team? You know, I think, and, and it goes to the to LaMelo injury story as well. You know, do, do we want LaMelo's competitiveness to want to win games, you know, take over and get him back onto the floor earlier than maybe the, the long-termists would want? Because there is this idea that the team is still capable of winning games. Because if if you trade a few players and it's evident that this team is not capable of winning games against good teams, then I think it does change the mentality for certain players of thinking like, okay, well, I can come back and contribute, but what does it all mean when I could really instead just get healthy and gear up for next season? So I think they have to think about all of these things. And I really think the organization has to think hard about, you know, they, <laughs> they fell back onto Steve Clifford. Right. I mean, this was not the coach they initially wanted. They fell back onto Steve Clifford. But what they've ended up with is a guy who knows how to keep a team together through adversity. And that's what's happening right now. And I'm not sure that's great for the long term, as the Hornets should be turning their attention to the offseason to this next offseason. Well, and it sounds ridiculous, right? I mean, the the whole tank culture thing, they need to lose more games. It feels a little ridiculous to be preaching out there, too. But they absolutely there is a time to worry about that. I mean, you you cannot go through this season having had all these problems find a way to get out and 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 jump over a couple of teams in the standings to only worse your odd only worsen your odds and then not get into the play-in and not get into the playoff like I'm sorry I know people want to pull for this team I get it I mean I it's not like I was here at the beginning of the season it's not like I was all the way in tank city where that take was out there absolutely that the Hornets should just bottom out as much as they can but right now you're looking at them at 13 and 34. The Pistons have 12 wins. You're looking at the San Antonio Spurs have 14 wins. Houston has 10. So Houston is the favorite to finish with the league's worst record. But the other, like Orlando is somebody you might worry about. They're at 17 and 29. That's really the only team I can see bottoming out that could catch the Hornets. But at that point, the Hornets could be the best of a bottom five squad right and I that mm-hmm. I don't want that <laughs> like well, you, you definitely don't want that 
it's all about timing too, right? I mean, I think yes. you don't want to do this too early where it hurts your ability to develop some of your younger players. But what have we been seeing over the past couple of games, including this game against Atlanta? I saw a great play from Mark Williams. I saw a great play from Bryce McGowan's. These these guys are now comfortable enough that I think you can turn your attention towards that because you can give those players more time confidently knowing that they're not going to embarrass themselves on the court or actually hamper their development by playing poorly. So, so I, I think I, I think it is time, and you know we are getting closer to the trade deadline, and there is more trade scuttlebutt than ever around the Charlotte Hornets. I expect us to be talking a lot about that in the coming days. Oh yeah, lots of scuttlebutt. We'll be discussing it all here on Locked On Hornets. Let's go to some of the interesting stats surrounding this team. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Get total points added. The stat created, I believe, by NBA Math. Adam Frommel, those guys doing good work. So we'll take a look at some of that surrounding this franchise right now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. Had an exciting weekend this past go-around. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets. That's guaranteed too, by the way, when you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player prop. Plus you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. And if you want to bet on the Hornets, that's fine. They got the NBA covered for you as well. There's a lot of different teams they got you covered on. Speaking of tonight's game against the Jazz, Doug, real quickly, what do you think the spread is for this game between Utah and Charlotte? I'm going to go Utah by six. Utah. Oh, very close. Yeah. Close. Uh, it's Utah seven and a half at home Ooh. against the Hornets. Only a game, uh, only a enough. point and a half off. But if you want to get in on that, Doug, if you think it should be about six, you can get involved in FanDuel. If everybody else, if the if the, the Doug Branson fighters out there, the people that believe in you, think that that is also something that they want to abide by, then they can go to FanDuel and get in on the action. All on the app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans don't miss out. Also, the NBA fans don't either. Place your first $5 bet to go $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. One more segment to go. Locked on. Doug, we were talking before the show, the same kind of category that the Hornets and the Jazz were in leading up to the season. And if you look at Utah, they're 24 and 25. They're the nine seed in the play-in. What's weird about that is they're actually worse than they were at the beginning of the season when they were the darlings of the NBA. They did right. hold on to the one spot. I think it was something like 15 games in. I think it had gotten that deep into the year with Utah still holding on to that one seed. Laurie Markkinen turning into an all-star. Crazy, by the way, just to add insult to injury. Laurie Markkinen was one of the few free agents that the Hornets were interested in two mm -hmm. off seasons ago. And then it just never materialized. And so now he goes to Surprise. Utah. He's skipping in a field full of sunflowers and nice looking flowers all over the place. And with Charlotte, here we are not in the play in, but it's actually good because Utah could be sellers as well with mm -hmm. some of the players that they have, not a Laurie Markkinen, not some of the, like not a Walker Kessler, right. But with some of the other older players, yeah. that might keep them from uh, finishing too low in the standings and therefore having a better draft pick where the Hornets, I mean, the Hornets could have been in the same situation, 
And the Hornets, because of the pressure they feel to win with LaMelo, then and maybe Miles on that team at that point as well, you wonder if it would have gone a different direction for the Charlotte Hornets this season. Just interesting trajectories for both of these franchises. Yeah, well, the Jazz shuffled the deck, and they expected that house of cards to fall, and instead they ended up with a straight flush at the beginning of the season. Now the, the subsequent hands, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot. I love it. Now – the subsequent hands, you know, they've they've fallen back a little bit, but the Hornets had their deck shuffled for them by the Miles Bridges situation. That that you know sort of dominoed into several things that happened this offseason, and here's where they find themselves. But the injuries, I think, really Walker have saved the Hornets from themselves because I honestly believe that had they stayed healthy, completely healthy, not not any major injuries to rotation players, which they had many this season. But if they had stayed completely healthy, I think they would be in the exact same position that the Utah Jazz are in, sort of right there around the 500 mark. And this team and this organ, really the organization, would not have been sellers. They would have either been buyers or they would have been stand patters, knowing cynically that they were most likely going to bring back Miles Bridges and upgrade that position in the future. So th- this it's two different organizations with fundamental. One, one fundamentally understands Utah, fundamentally understands what it takes to get into championship contention, and they know they're not there. And the Hornets, I think, fundamentally misunderstand that. They, they misunderstand what exactly it takes to get playoff success. And to be fair, they haven't had playoff success in decades. Correct. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I think, I, I think the injuries have saved them from themselves because now they're forced to be sellers almost. Well, and even in the Eastern Conference, right, even if you get to some kind of Orlando, Washington territory with 17 and 20 wins and you're not just one win less um, or one win below 500, then you could see the Hornets trying to get into the play in from that. Right. Because Chicago is 21 and 24. They are the last team in the play in. And so even just I mean, it's crazy. A few more wins right now. Right. Like maybe three or four you know, not even a handful of wins. You could see the Hornets kind of, all right, well, maybe we could get to the play-in. So I think you're right about all of that. I know you had some interesting stats you wanted to look at when it comes to total points added. What did you want to discuss here from NBA Math, Doug? Well, well, shout out to the Charlotte Hornets Reddit that put this on their page. I was scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and found uh, the TPA stats. uh, So I wanted to confirm them, went to sport. Now it's a new website, Sports Math Network dot com that gives me uh, these stats so total points added it's like all stats that try to you know give you some indication of of sort of a full picture of what someone does offensively or defensively it has its flaws but I think generally the NBA math community has has gathered around TPA as at least a good starting point indicator if someone is doing something positive or negative for you on the offensive or defensive end. So there's TPA offensive points added and TPA defensive points saved. And there are two players, Walker, for the Charlotte mm-hmm. Hornets, that have a, uh, have above average or positive TPAs. Would you like to guess who those two players are? Before well, I it, is, is it hilarious that the first guy that comes up in my mind, I mean, just the first name that flashes – is Mason Plumley? It's the very first one that I would guess. Is that correct? We'll see. Go ahead and guess the second player. And then uh, I'll okay. Okay. So the second guy, as far as all season goes, Dennis Smith Jr. offensively has been has been rough. I thought he would have been there had he continued his beginning <laughs> season production. I'm going to go Jalen. I, I think I think Jalen McDaniel's has been somewhat consistent. I, I don't think Lamelo Ball has played enough games. I'm just kind of operating under 
him having not done that. Ooh, well, um, you you should have you should have gone with Lamelo Ball because it is okay, Lamelo okay. Ball, Mason Plumley, and Lamelo Ball. The correct answer. The only two players, Mark Williams, hovering around the line, but okay. the only two players are Mason Plumley and Lamelo Ball. Uh, Jalen. So if you if you look on the left, if you're watching on YouTube, on the left side of the screen shows you the offensive and defensive points added. And Jalen McDaniels uh, is a positive defensive player, but offensively, we know that shooting has gone in and out. So he is uh, pretty rough offensively in terms of the amount of points added for Jalen McDaniels. But yeah, I mean, some wild numbers here. Mason Plumley, the only one that has a positive offensive and defensive uh, TPA. LaMelo's offense has been so good that it counters the defensive issues that he had, and I think that that matches the eye test. Look at yeah. the defensive points saved for Terry Rozier. Below negative <laughs> 60. Like, that's that's cratering defensively. Terry is on an island by himself, and it is uh, not one anyone anyone wants to visit. <laughs> well, um, he's on an island yeah, no, by Lamello himself. Makes total well, sense. Well, he, I didn't know if there was some kind of filter with the amount of games played. So LaMelo would absolutely be the other guy with offensively just chucking it this season. You know, this the second most amount of three-point field goals taken and also hitting at a pretty good percentage. So LaMelo, Mason, the fact that Mason is in the only quadrant that shows you being positive on both ends is it's it's crazy. I mean, I I would never have guessed it. So not well, at the beginning of the season that he would be that the, guy. The reason Terry Rozier is on an island walker is because he let his guy blow by him. I mean, that's how you you end up by yourself with the other mm-hmm. Yeah, to be fair to Terry. Again, I think without LaMelo and DSJ, he has had to take on defensive responsibilities that he's just not up for. That's just a reality. He came into this season wanting to do more defensively. He had to do a lot more, and he failed to do so. And But more importantly, because of LaMelo's absence, I think his shooting numbers cratered. And so that's what you're seeing here is that his his offense should be around LaMelo's. And that, I think if we looked at last season, you'd see LaMelo and Terry both around the same TPA offensively, if I had to guess. And, and so that's where Terry's issues come in, is that his offense, his three-point shooting, has not been able to counteract what uh, he, how he hurts you defensively. But yeah, Mason's incredible. Again, if I would be screenshotting this if I'm Mitch Kupchak and emailing it out to all of the general managers saying, hey, Mason is a guy that, you know, is not going to do- obviously not going to dominate the interior defensively, but knows what to do in the pick and roll. He's a gr- he could be a great backup big on a playoff team. I think I think he's got to be on the phone. All right, thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to recap Hornets Jazz.